It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's another College Baseball Tuesday, and we're previewing the ACC. It was an absolutely wild 2021. Notre Dame went from a projected last place finish to winning the Atlantic Division and the conference. And then Duke went from the nine seed in the ACC tournament to winning the whole dang thing. So what's 2022 going to look like? And will the ACC get another eight teams in the tournament? Stay tuned. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. And I was lucky enough to be joined by Drake from Locked On Seminoles, uh, actually former college baseball player himself as a catcher. So we sat down, we talked this whole conference top to bottom, got some 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 good insights from him. It's been a little bit longer on Florida State, as you can imagine, but kind of went through this whole conference uh, both divisions, picked our winners, did all of that. Enjoy. All right, it's a college baseball Tuesday. I'm joined with Drake from Locked on Seminoles. We're talking ACC. And, you know, the Atlantic, like the ACC was so wild last year. I mean, just completely opposite of what we thought was going to happen. And and so when you're, when you're previewing the Atlantic division, I kind of got to start with Notre Dame. I mean, they were projected to be in last place, one won the regular season, won the Atlantic Division, won the conference. And so can they do it again? That's that's the real question for me. Um, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, they did lose, or was it Nico Cavitas, the uh, Golden Spike semifinal? Oh, sorry, that's my dog. That's actually barking over there. Apologize, folks. But, uh, I mean, they do bring in, like, solid transfers. I think they brought the two Furman kids. I think one uh, is John Michael Bertrand's one. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see actually how they'll be able to do the overall because you're right. I mean, AC was – it was weird because I don't think any one of us saw out of nowhere – Notre Dame was like did well at the end, and then you see Duke winning the entire damn conference during the tournament as well, and then you see NC State making that all the way to the College World Series, and then you ask some people too as well how they maybe probably should have been the champions instead of Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean that 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 COVID thing was wild, and yeah. I I I I really felt for those kids because it's one thing to like play the game and lose; it's another thing to just get there and then not have a chance to even do it. And I, like you said, I legitimately think they could have won the whole thing, but. You know, Mississippi State won. Happy for them. Uh, didn't help them this last weekend, but that's fine. Um, pick second to finish in this division is Florida State. And I, I kind of have an issue with that because I feel like we've talked so much on on my show about how the college pitching class for this draft is kind of weak. But like, Florida State's pitching is really good. Best pitching in the conference. And we saw that last Saturday uh, and, you know, or last weekend with Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard, like going out there and just absolutely dealing. So, so can, can Florida state's defense play well enough to win them the division and win them the conference in the tournament? I mean, I think so. I think the primary reason we had, we had a uh, Nando's the Sadas. He was the source off for last year for Florida state mm-hmm. and he transferred out. He went to think he's starting now actually at Missouri. We brought in Jordan Carrion, who is probably the same bat. So he's going to hit around 250, maybe 260. But he's going to much, much better glove. And that's something that kind of we need to show up across the middle. And then also we bring in Alex Toral. And Alex Toral is the University of Miami transfer who 
Mm-hmm. I think this kid is going to be in for a really big bounce back year. He did lead, I want to say, the conference actually in home runs, I think, in 2019, two years ago. He's not the most athletic of fleet foot, but he's a big body, big size, actually at the first base position. And that's someone that's going to be a big, 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 big contributor to the, to the entire team because we do lose Matt Nelson. And Matt Nelson, to me, was someone that was a very, very good player that I know or just had a streak like no other and like was just mashing bombs after bombs after bombs. And hopefully Alex Terrell can probably somewhat lessen the blow of losing him to the drafts past year. Terrell's not that athletic, uh, but if you're hitting bombs to that short porch and right, you don't have to run that fast. Yeah, I don't care, man. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you can home run walk it. It's fine. They call it a tr- trot, not a spin for uh, a sprint for a reason. So, you know, it, it's just that seat, like last season seemed kind of uncharacteristic from this staff. And as far as, like you said, the defense a little bit, and then the the hitting not being where it usually is for Florida State. So I feel good about the guys coming in, and I think the only reason you see Notre Dame ranked above Florida State is because Notre Dame did it last year and Florida State didn't. Uh, but but that's one of those things where I feel good about them being in second or in first, and I mm-hmm. think really just this weekend showed us the pitching is as good as advertised. And as long as you can hand the baton off to the bullpen – you're going to do well, and you're going to win a majority of your series with pitching like what you got this weekend. I mean, Parker Messick and Bryce, Bryce Harbour, in my personal opinion, are the best one-two punch in the country. I think they're best weekend spots overall. Like it's, I mean, they were innings. I think they combined last year for 161 innings per, per, per um, total for two and two of them for last year, and that's just something that I. And then Parker Messick also, I think, almost has a three ERA in his first season. Now we have like we have other options too, like Jonas. Uh, I can't even say his name sometimes, man. Sorry, I'm a little. It's been, a, it's been a long, long day. It's, it's a Jonas Scolero, sorry, sorry. Jonas Scolero actually did have a really good Cape Cod League season. He's someone that I'm definitely going to see that I think they might toe with him in the starting rotation, maybe be kind of the third spot behind them. But it's going to be interesting to see how they replace Connor Grady because I think that mm-hmm. was someone that no one, a lot of people talked about. He was a very drought-eligible player, very good pitcher. But I personally do see us you know, actually winning AC overall. But I think you're right. The Notre Dame actually did it last year, and then – for those of you that don't know, Mike, uh, Mike, Mike Martin Jr. is the new head coach after Mike Martin has been there for about like 40, 50 years. And that's something that's a very polarizing hire. Some people say that he only got the job because of his name. To me, I think he actually does, has been able to make good hitters of his players. So hopefully we can go back from our, I think we had, had a 247 average last season. I think that's definitely going to be improving. But hopefully we can you know, improve on that and keep the, guys, the power numbers that we had last year overall. Yeah. Last question on Florida State before we have to move on to the rest of the division. Um, is Reese Albert, when is he supposed to come back? It blows my mind that he's a junior and he already has the 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 program record for starts in a career. He has he started like 133 games. Do we know when he's due back? Uh, from what I know, actually, I don't know exactly the answer to that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm not going to lie to you, man. No, that's the thing. Like, there's just like just a lack of information coming out. And I'm like, like, this dude has been a, a key part of this program now for like four years and he needs to be in the game. And we just don't know. And I think that getting him back is going to be something like it is going to be big. And that's going to be the determinant. The sooner you get uh, Reese Albert back in the lineup, I think, is the sooner this Florida State offense clicks on all cylinders. And I think you can see the drop-off when he got hurt last year. Uh, as far as before, I, I know he wasn't hitting well, 176, but just hit the presence he brings, the veteran leadership, he's a guy I think that that needs to be on the field for Florida State if you want to beat Notre Dame and win the division. But Yeah, I mean, I can agree with it. And I think one thing that people should look out for, too, is who's replacing Matt Nelson behind the dish, whether it be the transfer from Oklahoma State, Brock Mathis, and then we had another kid that came in from, I think, to Tallahassee Junior College as well, who actually was there last year. I think it was the 
His name is escaping me, folks. Sorry about that. But I remember, I, if, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Brock Mathis, the Oklahoma State transfer, take a majority of the starts by the end of the year because that's someone that actually has a, high, a lot higher of a ceiling than guys he can be backing up. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's a great, great addition with a veteran pitching staff like that. All right, so NC State, great run last year. COVID obviously ruined the whole thing for him in Omaha. Lost a lot off of that team. Six starters. They brought in some transfers. They brought in a top 15 recruiting class. Is it enough for them to get up above Florida State and Notre Dame? Ah, that's a good question. I mean, they bring back about 20 kids overall. I personally think it is because, I mean, you saw last year how out of nowhere they were actually able to come together and win, like, nearly win it all. And quite honestly, like I said before, that that's a team that a lot of people thought actually should, should have won the game overall. Now they do lose a lot of players in that lineup, but they do, you know, keep a lot of kids still in there. So I personally do think that along with, you know, they they they, they brought back David Harrison. They brought back they brought back Logan Whitaker as well. So to me, that's a team that probably is going to make it for a deep run. Yeah, yeah. And then kind of looking at, at Clemson, I don't necessarily think Clemson has the guys. They're probably the last team where you could talk yourself into contending for the division. But like Clemson to me, Caden Grice, uh, there's just not enough in the lineup around him. Yeah, he he is good. He needs not not strike out as much, but mm-hmm. he's a guy where there's just not enough around him to give him the protection. And then not having Will Taylor with that torn ACL, just really good pitching, yes. But I feel like offensively and defensively, there's just not enough there to say, yes, they're going to beat that big trio on top of Notre Dame, Florida State, NC State. I mean, this is like you see you see this in the professional league as well when they always have this one solid player that basically is able to be is that he's the true threat in the lineup, but there's nothing around him to either protect him or actually be able to in the, in the drive runs. And also with the pitching staff too, I mean, they did lose Keyshawn Askew, they do lose Devin Sharp as well, but they bring back Mac back uh, Mac Anglin, Nick Hoffman, and that to me is like it's their pitching staff. You're right, it's very good. And Monty Lee, I think he's posted a team that's nearly in top 20 in RPI every single his past first three years here, right? So this is a team that if they're able to find someone else to actually supplement with Caden Grice, then I think should be fine. Question is, can they do that? And it's just one of those, we don't know. We're not going to know until we get more information. We see more games. It didn't look like it last weekend, but um, Louisville, one of those teams really strong up the middle. We bring back a shortstop, a catcher, center fielder, but seven guys got drafted last year, six guys in the, in the first 10 rounds. So, you have a lot of guys kind of growing into new roles. Uh, I don't think this is their year. I think it's something where you're going to have to mesh. Maybe 23, you can contend, but I think putting them at fifth in the division feels right as of right now, based on what we know. I mean, I can agree with that. And honestly, finishing fifth after having the number one overall draft pick and Henry Davis leaving, I mean, that's not that <laughs> nothing to really slouch at, right? And the pitching yeah. staff is, I mean, they did lose a lot, but they bring back Luke Seed, Tate Kuhner is a great relief pitcher as well overall. And then Caleb Corbett, yeah, actually was a, probably be their solid closer for the rest of the season going on. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. When you lose that much talent, not only talent, but talent that is professionally baseball ready, you're not going to be – I'm not going to say not contending, but it's going to be – it's hard to make a case for you to be towards the top of a very sacked Atlantic division as a whole. Yeah, and then, you know, Wake Forest kind of hit bottom right there next to Boston College. Both those programs, I feel like, uh, just – I mean – Wake has a lot more going for it than Boston College does, but both of them, I just feel like not much of a threat as far as winning the division. They're teams that they need to improve consistency, get more talent, and and just try to try to recruit well and hope 23 is their year. Kind of same boat for both of them, really. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, they only bring back one weekend starter. I think it's Rhett Louder. I think it's his name. And then 
They also have Reed Muscali, who only made it seven on the starts last year, but they do, do have Eric Ladler, Teddy McGraw, Camden Menachi. Folks, I played catcher, so I'm going to focus a lot more on pitching personally. <laughs> so, Brandon, Brandon Oxford, too. So, I mean, they do have – it's a decent staff, but I don't see them doing as much noise as you know as people want them to do. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think last year they were six games below 500. They also you know, were 12 games below five, twelve games below 500 when they were in, in conference. So, to me, this might be a team, like you're saying, like, for right now, maybe just they have to go through growing pains before we actually can take them seriously and discuss them at length for next season. Yeah, and then Boston College, kind of the same thing. I mean, you know, new assistant coaches, a lot of guys, new roles. Mason Pelios trying to to kind of rebuild his stock. Didn't have the year he thought he would have last year, but yeah. same thing. They're they're. I feel easy. I I feel good putting them at seventh as far as what's going to happen in this division. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, just, I mean with Boston College too. It's just like literally. I mean, you gave the sheets. I'm like, who? I'm like. I treat Boston College like football. Like I actually can pay attention to a lot of them more. And I'm looking through. I was trying to find more stuff for them for basketball and for, for baseball as well. I was like, it's. I mean, you keep mentioning that kid Mason Pelio. So like, what exactly is like? Is like, I mean, he was a top, top, top recruit back in the day, and then now it just seems like he doesn't be able to, be able to pull together all whatsoever. Like, what do you think is actually the the problem with that? So Mason Pelio to me feels like a guy that that has he he hasn't been healthy. He feels like a guy that that has been tr- going out there and playing, even though he's not um, he's not 100. percent And obviously, 2020 uh, started four games before he lost the season. Didn't have a great record, you know. He went one and two, four nine ERA, and it just it looked like it was a lack of confidence in his secondaries, which kind of leads me to worry it's something involving like a forearm, something like that. Uh, so he just, I just think he needs to go out and kind of show that that all ACC freshman 2019 year again, you know, where, where he can go out. He threw 72 innings. He was consistently going six, seven, a start. And I just think he needs to kind of get back to something like that. He had a lot of um, four inning, five inning stuff as a sophomore before the season got ended, you know, got nuked. And so just a little more consistency, a little more depth in the games, but it's something where other than him, not really much of note when it comes to Boston college. So that's kind of there. No, and I mean, man, and they lost Emma Sheehan and Alex Stigler too. So that's kind of what's going. Like he literally is going to be their team, and that's probably someone that like that team is only going to go as far as he's going to go. And I mean, read your notes here that you have you kind of have a little more higher hopes for him. So hopefully, maybe that he's able to bring everything back around back to his you know 2019 form. Yeah. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. This is the time of the year. I've talked about it. Most people's resolutions are done with now. It's not worked out. But for the folks who bought. Built Bars, so that they could eat right, they're probably still doing okay. Built Bars are the only protein bars covered in 100% real chocolate that taste better than candy bars. Most of them are 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and the flavors, fantastic. Big variety of flavors, mint brownie, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, uh, white chocolate cookies and cream, new this month. Rocky Roads, one of the recurring flavors that comes through. And then if you don't necessarily want uh, the bar, they've got other options. The puffs are a popular thing right now. It's the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Uh, Fluffy marshmallow texture, but still full of protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Flavors like churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. It's fantastic. So go to Built.com, check out all of the options they have for all of the different products. Uh, while you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
And this episode also brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. And now that there's so many different types, makes, models of cars, it is virtually impossible for your neighborhood auto parts store to have all of the parts in stock that they need for your vehicles. And then when you get there, tons of questions about, hey, is it an LX or an EX? Is it a sport or a regular or whatever? So instead, save time, save money, use Rock Auto, okay? Family-owned business. They've been serving DIYers for over 20 years with reliably low prices for every single customer. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. You can even replace the carpets in your car, okay? So go explore their easy-to-use website. You plug in the type of car you have, and it shows you all the parts that they sell for your vehicle. They have the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. I'm Lindsey Grousey from Locked On MLB Prospects. That's Drake from Locked On Seminoles. Um, we are talking the ACC previewing. And when it comes to the Coastal Division, uh, Virginia was, was decimated by the draft and by graduation last year. Lost their entire starting rotation, lost their closer, the entire right side of the infield. But I think they have enough talent and veterans to contend uh, for the Coastal Division. I mean, I agree with that. I think their pitching rotation actually is sneakily good. I mean, they have you know Nate Savino, Matthew White, who both were part of the U.S. national team this past summer. I mean, and they had sub four year race for the, for for U at UVA last year. And then you have Devin Ortiz, too, who might be starting overall over the year. So I think this is a team that may not be discussed as much about. But like, if you look at their pitching staff, it's it's something to keep an eye on because kind of last year too, they were like NC State who started a little bit slowly, but they started to pick up steam as the season rolled on. So this is something that definitely we want to look out for, and also. They did bring in a transfer in Joe Maselli, who I'm pretty sure is related to Taylor Maselli, to the former professional pitcher for the, um, I'll say the Twins back in the day. So it's going to be, look at their pitching staff. It's going to be something to look out for. See, I was a little down on them thinking it was a bunch of guys who needed to, a little more experience, but there you go. That's, that's why I asked the experts to come in and talk of college ball. I'm a, I'm a pro ball guy. Uh, okay, Georgia Tech. Uh, have had some some memorable losses in the regional, super regionals last couple of years, things like that. I think about Auburn walking them off, and I think it was 2019. So they've got a lot of uh, power still in this lineup, but they've got to get better defensively. They've got to get better pitching. And and what can like can the bullpen get to average? Because the bullpen was bad last year. Yeah. Yeah, the bullpen was pretty bad last year, and it might get worse because – I mean, I know Marquise Grissom Jr., he was in the in the in the bullpen actually to start the season out, but then towards the end of the year, they pushed him to start in rotation and he took someone else's spot too. So maybe we'll see how that works out. And maybe in my personal opinion, I think they would move Dalton Smith from the starting rotation actually to the bullpen. I think he's a little better serviceable there because I think they have a decent staff with those two, with Marcus Grissom Marquise Grissom as well. But I do I do see that I mean they have firepower, man. I mean, they have the probably the best catcher in the entire conference, Kevin Parada. They also have Drew Compton, Tres Gonzalez, Andrew Jenkins, too. Like, those are that's a deadly lineup. We just talked about another team that only had one player, and now we're discussing right now a lineup with four solid pro ready prospects when it comes to hitting ability. So, to me, this is something that you're going to look out for with that. And then they add transfers like a Chandler Simpson, also a Brandon Prince, too. Like, these are going to be, I mean, this is going to be a very, very dangerous coastal team. And, like, to me, it's like probably Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Miami are probably three to watch out for. Yeah. And, Speaking of Miami, another team that just kind of got decimated by the draft and graduation and everything, but lots of talent in their pitching staff. And, you know, I know that you're obviously live in Florida. 
Can you give some insight on the whole Carson Palmquist moving from closing to starting thing? Like, how is that going to shake out? Uh, I hate when people do this, honestly. Mainly because I think I think it takes a special player to be so dominant and so damn good at the closing spot. To me, that's something that we discuss all the time, like in football, where for a defensive back or a quarterback, you need that terrible, you know, that's short short term memory. Yeah. For closing, to me, like you need to go pitch by pitch by pitch with that kind of mentality. With starting, you have a little more room for that. And I me, mean, Carson has great, great arsenal of pitches. But that's something that's something that in my personal opinion, I would probably keep him in the back end. Because I think this is a Miami team that overall they did lose a lot. They lost Terrell, they lost Adrian and Kristen Del Castillo too as well, and Raymond Gill. I mean, they lost a lot of players. But to me, I think they're kind of panicking when they bring over Carlson Ponquist to being a starter because that transition. I mean, in college baseball, it's a little easier to do. I think you have. I think they honestly do have something special with him keeping in the, in, in the bullpen. Like that to me, he's game over when the game is on when the game's online. He's closing it out. He feels to me like a, I mean, the best way to use him is like how Oklahoma used Kevin Copps last year. A guy that he can come out and get a six out save on Friday. You can bring him back in on Sunday if you need to. He can get you a second save. He can probably give you, you know, on the regular three or four innings in a weekend. And if you need it, give him the ball. He'll go as long as his, as his arm is physically attached. And he's a so, dog. He's a dog, dude. He's yeah. so damn good. <laughs> It's that personality. And, it is. And that's the point. And that's why I don't get like I I think it's the competitor in him. He wants to showcase more for, I guess, for pro ready scouts. Like, hey, I can do this as well. But like my like you're saying, if you can do those two inning saves, if you can give me five innings in a week, like my arm would fall off just thinking of that. And the fact <laughs> that he he is willing to do that and he can go even further than that, like I don't know why would you mess with that? Yeah, I just don't ruin a good thing. And and that's something I am assuming it has to be, like you said, it has to be him wanting to show, hey, I have this great arsenal, which we already knew that, but I can I can go out and throw five straight innings or six straight innings and I can be that dominant guy. And it's just, that's something where if they have some guys step up, I can see him maybe like a midseason move back. And they say, you know what? Put him back. He's better there. Pro team, trust me, pro teams are talking about him as an impact reliever, impact closer. So that's a thing. They might move him back. Who knows? Auburn did it last year with Cody Greenhill. They got two-thirds of the way through the season. They had moved him from the bullpen to starting, start the year. They put him back in the bullpen. And they just finished out the year, and now he's a Washington National. So kind of the same idea there. And then um, talking about pitching and all of that, Duke. I think Duke would have been contending with Florida State for the best rotation until Henry Williams had that, uh, had that, that Tommy John. And so still a good team, but now – not the best lineup and like it was last year, not the top pitching staff like it would have been this year. It's not, and but I do so like kind of kind of like does the bring me a little bit down with them because I mean you're right, Henry Williams is that kid is definitely gonna be a first round, maybe second round talent basically coming out to the pro level. So to me with Duke, I want to look at one of their new kids. Uh some kid actually when I was doing my research today, uh Alex Mooney is mm-hmm. their source of coming in. And I, I think to me that's a kid that he probably should have went pro. I think he already was pro ready, but the fact of the matter is that he really wanted to play for Duke. He really wanted to go be a Blue Devil, play for Chris Pollard, the head coach there. So to me, that's someone that is going to challenge to be an immediate impact in the lineup. And they still have Devin O.B. in the outfield, who is a player that he's got speed, he's got power, he's got con- like he'll hit contact. That's all you want from that. And then Andrew Yu, who might not be the best hitting catcher, I mean, he frames like no other, and he blocks everything through the play. And to me, like Jacob Stallings is one of my favorite players to watch right now in the professional mm-hmm. level. I mean, you watch the kid, watch the kid handle the strike zone and, and handle the pitch. It's, it's 
it's kind of fun to watch, man. See, this is my baseball nerd coming out right now. I ain't gonna yeah. lie. <laughs> Not to go backwards on you a little bit. Uh, I actually have Alex Mooney as my freshman of the year for the. Um, oh, do you really? For the ACC, I mean, he's he's one of those guys. He's not a like a master of anything, but he does everything at an above average level. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, whether it's running, whether it's defending, hit tool, power, I mean, just everything. And so he's a guy. It reminds me a lot of the previous Duke shortstop, Ethan Murray. Like just Ethan, sorry, Ethan, Ethan Murray. Like he reminds me a lot of him. And so, so like I think he can kind of do something similar. Murray won 2019 all ACC freshman. I think that that Mooney can do that too. And this team will go as far as that pitching staff takes them. Like you said, it's good, but without Henry Williams, it's just, it doesn't get it's to different. that next level. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's just a different animal. Like it, it sucks. Cause like you never hear one hear a kid, especially at that age, get Tommy John. Like I've had friends of mine from down here when like their pro dreams are kind of dashed because of Tommy John surgery back in the day. Now you have, it's like the surgery right now is, it's a lot better. And also you kind of come back better from it, but like, it's, it just sucks to hear that from a kid, man. Yeah. I mean, being that young and having something like that happen, especially before you're trying to get drafted. Exactly. Uh, okay. So staying in this division, North Carolina, a uh, ton of young of youngsters last year. So got a lot of experience. Uh, they did lose power out of the lineup. And I, I, I still don't know if they have the pieces to, to get over the hump of, the Virginia, Georgia Tech, Miami grouping up there at the top of the cup of the division. Uh, no, I mean, like, I mean, I already said Ohio wasn't Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Miami, and, and this North Carolina team, they did lose a lot. I mean, they they have a really good like trio they could build around right now, real quickly, and they also brought back Mac Horvath, who's a returning starter. They bring back Talakasi. I think Alberto Osuna is a JUCO transfer. Um, to me, it's going to be more, really a lot more uh, to the pitching because they did lose Austin Love, who was probably who was their best pitcher and also just innings eater, and. They did lose Max Alba, but that's another another arm he had to replace. I know that Caleb Kozar, who was the N-State, I guess he's a brother of the N-State player, Jacob Kozar, the catcher. So mm-hmm. we're going to see actually how they're going to be able to replace Love and Alba actually up at the top. Yeah, and and when you talk about, about seasons that went kind of out of plan, you have to talk about Virginia Tech. The wheels absolutely came off down the stretch. Uh, but they're bringing back a lot of talent, like the whole top of the order, uh, Gavin Cross broke out for Team USA last year. And so I feel like offensively, they're going to be fine. My questions come down to to pitching for Virginia Tech. Who goes where? Who does what? And are they going to be effective in those roles? I mean, it is the pitching. because, like, cause I mean, a lot is fine with, like, with Gavin Cross, but whew, that pitching staff is... I mean, they, I mean, their most experienced guy is Ryan Okuda. I mean, he's a decent pitcher overall, but he's just something that you don't want to... You don't want to lean on him to be your weekend starter, but... He's not a Friday night guy. No, he's not, man. He's like, he's like, hey, like it's a Tuesday, it's a Wednesday afternoon. Maybe like, you know, we'll play around real quick. But like, maybe, maybe Sunday if you're you've already won the series, but not Friday night. No, that's uh, and then you also have, I mean, you're in your in in, in the bullpen too. You have uh, Graham for for Farrowved. Uh, I've been trying to pronounce this guy's name all damn day. Sorry about that, folks. And I mean, he's the, has the most returning saves. And then also you have basically Matthew Silverling and Griffin Green who are in the bullpen. But you see that we've only mentioned one player for their rotation. Maybe. Look out for Jordan Gerber. He is a Mount St. Mary's transfer. I actually got a chance to look see him in person when I used to work at a uh, over at Johns Hopkins in compliance. Actually, at a mm-hmm. baseball game. He he's someone that's going to be funner. He's going to be fun to watch. He's a little bit older. I want to say he's going to be in, going into his senior year. I think it's senior because of, of the COVID extra year. But we'll see actually with that. So keep an eye out for Jordan Gerber. To actually, probably maybe be that weekend guy. Maybe your Friday night or Saturday night guy. But other than that, like I mean, this, this pitching staff is nothing to write home about. And I would kind of panic if I'm a Hokies fan. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're a Hokie, you have to worry. Uh, same thing if you're a Pitt fan. Uh, Pitt, COVID wrecked the year last year, but you then did that. Like, but, but you were on track to have a good year. COVID comes in, wrecks everything, and then you lose, oh yeah, the entire right side of the diamond and your starting pitcher on Friday night and your closer. And it's just, you brought up some transfers, but like Pitt is probably seventh out of seven teams here. I mean, they brought in five transfers for a reason. I remember I remember correctly, they were the second worst in the ACC for, with runs per game. They lost two of their best power bats. They also were in the bottom half in every single pitching category in the conference. I mean, I mean, there's nothing really to get excited about over unless you're, I mean, maybe you get excited for a Baron Stewart or Ben Dragini, Dragini, the two other transfers, I think Michigan and USF respectively. But overall, this is a team that, unless you're Sky Duff, I mean, I would not be actually happy playing for pitch management right now. <laughs> And friends, this episode brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. So football, obviously over for the season. We had the big game two weeks ago, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. Uh, so whether it's odds, totals, player props, all that kind of stuff, BetOnline.net is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. And it's not just basketball. We're talking college baseball today. BetOnline.net is your source for everything. Hockey, boxing, UFC, all the way down to Olympic coverage, which I think is still going on. Don't quote me on that. But anyway, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Lindsey Crosby and Drake here talking about the ACC. And okay, so five, uh, sorry, I, I, I keep saying five, six guys from this conference are preseason All Americans. And all guys we've, we've talked about first team, Gavin Cross from, from Virginia Tech, the only guy worth mentioning there. Uh, Carson Palmquist, got it. As a reliever, not as a starter. That was interesting, I thought, at least. Um, second team, Kevin Parada got it. Caden Grice got it. And then both these Florida State pitchers we keep talking about, Bryce Hubbard and Parker Messick, got it. Uh, the ones that I just love that had great weekends and kind of proved that that was true. So so first things first, I want to put you on the spot here. Division winners, who do you have? I'm going to take us the division winner. I know that's me, me being a homer, but I – I truly, truly think the best part of any call of any championship college baseball team is the pitching. Now I know I'm the Florida State fan. We have the most appearances in Omaha without a world without a college World Series title in the history of college football, college baseball. I get that, but I truly, truly do think that the only reason Notre Dame, as I said at the top of the show, is on top is because they had done it last year. And I think to me that the one big issue was errors up the middle. We rectified that with Jordan Carry on coming in. I do also think that Brock Mathis will eventually kind of take a stranglehold on that on that catching spot and be the starting catcher moving forward. I do think Alex Toral now going to be playing at Mark Martin Mark Martin Field at the Basel Stadium. Like that's going to be that's a team that's going to be scared, scary, scary good. And I think that weekend staff. I mean, we just said we don't want that other kid pitching on Friday nights. I want Parker messing and Bryce Harper to pitch every damn day they can. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, just get you know Friday and Sunday. You can do two. Piggyback them. I don't care. I mean, it's it's they're fantastic, and just the the whole staff is great. I actually have same thing as you for the Atlantic. I have Florida State beating Notre Dame to win the Atlantic, provided that you get Reese Albert back sometime sooner rather than later. I think he's kind of the wild card. They're just that little bit of extra energy that pushes you over the edge. I mean, you know, being a former catcher, you know, so much so much of that is is mental and so much of that is chemistry and so much of that is how well guys work together. And he's just been there so long that I think that he. He he is the driving force behind that team. So I think that's I think that that's my caveat on saying they're going to win the Atlantic. And then 
the coastal, um, I actually think it would have been Miami if Carson Palm was, was still the closer, because I don't think they would have lost a game. They were leading in the eighth inning, but as it is now, I think it's probably got to be some combination of, of Georgia tech or Virginia, maybe Duke if all the pitchers work out, but probably Virginia or Georgia tech. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Georgia tech. And I just think that Kevin Parada drew comp, the kids I mentioned earlier, that's just a lineup that, that's scary, man. And I mean, they're pitching that we discussed their pitching. It's like they're looking for a little bit more. I think Marquis Grissom Jr. is someone to watch out for as well, too, overall. And I think their pitching will be just enough to basically be accompanying a very explosive offense. And we didn't even talk about they brought in Tim Borden from Louisville, actually, for the infield, too. So <laughs> I that's didn't even think that, about that. And like he, I mean, that's going to be a damn, damn good lineup. And that's something that I can't wait till tournament time, too, because that's going to be a great game, great, great team to watch. Yeah, it's it, it's it's something where the story of this conference, unlike so many other conferences in college baseball right now, the story of this conference is pitching. Uh, we we keep hearing the weakest class in this upcoming draft is college pitchers, and this conference just has so many good guys: um, Messick, Hubbard, Palmquist, all these guys, and and then obviously Kevin Parada, Marquise Grissom is going to be a really good pro when he gets there finally, uh, and so I mean. You probably have two or three first rounders from the ACC right now. You can probably, if 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 Messick and Parker Park uh, pitch like they did uh, over the weekend, you're going to have four or five guys going in the first round uh, come come June. But if folks listening to my show want to follow the Seminoles, want to follow you, how can they do that? Uh, before I do that, Lindsay, thank you so much for Please. letting me come on, man. I, I know a lot of you. I was hella nervous. I don't get to talk to baseball that often. As you can tell, I'm way too excited for this by my speed and my talking, but thank you for having me on. And folks, you can, you can follow me at tally underscore underscore Drake as you see below this. You can follow my host at MaxMovie17. You can follow the podcast at Knowles Anonymous. That's where kind of we engage with our fans. That's where we do fan mails, where we do themes for our episodes. And we're also as well on YouTube. And as always, we are fans first, people second, and podcasters third. Drake. Thank you for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. If you are on Drake's feed and you're listening to this, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show us on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can send all your questions to LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Drake, thanks a lot, man. Anytime, man. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.